sportsmanship, confidence building, positive attitude, learning from failure, and success. You'll find it all here. This is Sports Psychology Today with Dr. Andrew Jacobs, Digital Edition. Welcome to the exclusive digital edition of Sports Psychology Today. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and you can hear this and all our other podcasts at winnersunlimited.com. This past week, an interesting study came out regarding the brains of retired football players. The study found that 99% of deceased NFL players' brains that were donated for scientific research had chronic traumatic encephalopathy, known as CTE. The study also found that a significant number of football players who played at the collegiate level also had CTE. 48 out of 53 brains of those athletes had CTE, and several high school athletes' brains also had it. Three out of the 14 high school players. Now, this was not a controlled study. It was a study with brains that were donated. But nonetheless, it's saying that we have an issue. And the issue, which has been discussed for several years regarding football, is about at what age should youngsters start playing football? Today in youth sports, we have an epidemic of organized activities beginning at younger and younger ages. Sports leagues are now starting for four-year-olds in this country, which in my opinion as a sports psychologist with 36 years of experience is ridiculous. I don't have a problem with youngsters getting involved in sports activities at young ages, but I see no reason for there to be leagues and organized games going on for four-year-olds. But we're having that. Why? Because there are people making money. There are people making money who organize the leagues. There are people making money who are coaching the teams. There are people making money who provide the uniforms, the trophies, and all the additional supplies associated with these organizations. So we've got a problem today with youth football that's becoming more and more discussed. At what age should young people be playing tackle football? Many people have come out recently and stated that they do not believe young athletes should play tackle football until they're in middle school, ages 13 or 14. They feel that young athletes' brains or young people's brains haven't developed enough to be able to deal with the impact that happens. We don't really know just how damaging youth sports can be, such as football or soccer or wrestling, with the concussions that young athletes feel. There are a large group of parents in this country who feel playing sports toughens kids up at young ages. Well, maybe it may psychologically toughen them up to a certain point, but how tough do they need to be and how tough physically do they need to be and how much damage is it doing? I don't believe we know yet and aren't going to know for a while until this issue is investigated further from a psychological and medical perspective. And now I'm going to be talking with Dr. Neil Erickson. Dr. Erickson is a physician in private practice in the Kansas City area. He's been in practice for over 20 years and has worked with athletes at all levels, from the youth level to the collegiate and professional level, and consults with many professional athletes in the Kansas City area. First of all, Dr. Erickson, thanks for joining me today. Good morning, Dr. Jacobs. Listen, it's, it's uh, a topic we, we need to get into and talk about because, as I've been saying on the show, football is in a crisis today at the youth level. And it's in a crisis today because there are studies that are coming out showing that CTE is a big problem. We just have this study that just came out that measured chronic traumatic encephalopathy. In, it was found to be in 99% of the deceased NFL players' brains that were donated in this study. 110, <coughs> excuse me, 110 
out of 111 brains were found to have CTE. And so the question has been brought up, should kids be playing tackle football? Or should kids be playing football at all? Because the incidence of head injuries now, which is occurring and causing problems, is, is becoming studied more and more in depth. And we're finding more and more problems now. And so the, the topic is coming up, should kids even be playing football before 14 or 15 when their brains are more developed? Let's talk about this today and get your thoughts. So there's a lot of things to talk about. The the study you reference is the Journal American Medical Association study. They reviewed uh, over 200 brains, the people who donated, their families donated their brains for research. And it looks like there is very significant amount of neuropathology, damage to the brain tissue in these individuals. Uh, this Dr. McKee is doing uh, research in this area for many years, and her study shows that of the people who donated their brains, the vast majority of them did have some tissue damage. And in her report, she does say this doesn't prove that the football is the cause of their injury, but the correlation is so high, it, it raises some serious, serious questions. This is just a continuation of the conversation we've been having. That's important. And when you look at the study, they studied athletes that had played just high school football, through college football, or all the way through professional football. And there definitely is a correlation. The more football that was played, the more severe the brain injury was in these athletes. It was, uh, it was found in this study that three of the 14 high school players' brains had CTE. Right. 48 of the 53 college players did, and 110 of the 111 former NFL players did. Now, granted, these were brains donated from people suspecting that. But, exactly. But nonetheless, right. and, and let's face it, when football, for a lot of these older NFL players, was played by them on the AstroTurf and the concrete, it, there, was, there was a big difference than, than it, the surface today. But still, this issue of kids playing football, kids playing tackle football, and having their heads banged around, not just, you know, let's face it, not just football, but concussions can happen for all, all kinds of sports. They can happen in the swimming pool. Obviously, the issue of head, heading the ball in soccer is becoming a, a topic that's being brought up now a lot more so as well. So from your perspective as a physician in over 20 years of practice, working with athletes at all levels, what's your feeling about youth football, and what do well, you feel we should do about it? Well, I think what you bring up is very important. Even in the some of the studies patients who had just played high school football, there was some tissue damage. So it's easy to dismiss this and say, well, it's just the guys who played professional football a long time ago. I think this is important because there are studies uh, or there are brains in this study that show damage who had just played high school football. So I think that's important. I think it, you brought up the, the age of starting tackle football, and I don't know that we've defined that yet, but there's definitely a, a trend to start thinking about when is it appropriate to start the head, um, the, the full tackle, the head injury risk type football as opposed to the flag football or other sports. From what I've seen in other studies, there are some recommendations that at the age of 14, uh, we shouldn't be playing tackle football, we shouldn't be heading the soccer ball. There is some indication, it's not definitive yet, but there's some indication that that's a, a reasonable cutoff point to say let's limit our exposure before those ages. There's so much data out there, it's difficult as a parent to figure out what, what do I pay attention to. And unfortunately, we don't have a definitive answer at this time. I do believe, however, 
that the more exposure you get, the greater risk there will be for this type of problem down the road. So by limiting that exposure, that makes sense that it would only help reduce the amount of brain trauma. So I support the idea that we not participate in tackle football until a later age. Of course, we need more data to confirm that, but it seems logical that if we delay that exposure, let the brain develop more, we may be able to reduce some of those long-term effects. Uh, okay, so if we, if we eliminate tackle football for kids under 14, there will be an uproar in this country uh, like we haven't seen in sports before. Youth, youth sports, and, and I talk about this on my weekly radio show in Kansas City every week, the whole youth sports uh, phenomenon has exploded, and we are now, as you know, as a physician, having organized leagues for four-year-olds. I had a, a caller on my show a couple weeks ago whose four-year-old daughter plays in a competitive t-ball league team with five- and six-year-old boys, which to me is, is ridiculous, okay, because – but why? There are people – and here's the thing, Dr. Erickson. People are making money in youth sports. There are people putting – you know, let's face it. There, there are the people making the uniforms, the trophies, putting on the tournaments, coaching. There's a lot of money involved. And people aren't going to give up their incomes for something like this. But Absolutely. I, and I completely agree with you. And you know, this is a very bold statement to say we shouldn't play tackle football before 14. And I don't think it will be received by the vast majority of society. This is definitely an evolution. And so this study that they're producing is one more piece of information that will make some people think about this. I don't think it's going to happen anytime in the very near future. That doesn't mean it's not the right thing to do. It doesn't mean that the, we need more data. The NFL is the largest sports league in our country, and the revenue generated from that is in the billions. There's no way that's just going to stop because somebody, some scientist is concerned about brain injury. But I do think the conversation has started, and I think it's going to be a process where we gradually make changes, just like in any other area. It's a silly comparison, but back in the day, doctors used to recommend smoking. And clearly, now, in retrospect, that's ridiculous. But these things will evolve with time, and the more data we get, the more information we have, we're going to find that this sport may be more hazardous than we thought. Now, your, your discussion about the youth sports and the super young age I completely agree on a, a different subject. I don't think it's appropriate for kids to be doing year-round, single-sport, competitive level at the four-, five-, and six-year-old age. I think it's very important to have a broad variety of activities. I think you lead, this type of activity leads to all type of overuse syndrome problems. It leads to burnout almost 100%. If you start a kid at a competitive level, at that young of an age, the chance of them continuing that sport through even high school is very, very small. And isn't and, isn't the whole issue of sports specialization now becoming more of a topic because we're seeing younger and younger kids playing one sport year-round, and the pressures to do that are there because if you want to play on a, quote, competitive team or an elite team or a traveling team, you're training year-round in that sport. It used to be you know, you, you train during the season, then you go to another sport in the other season. Now what I see, and I am seeing this more and more with clients in my office, these young kids, 11, 12, 13 years of age, will play, and let's take soccer, for example. They'll play outdoor soccer in the fall. Then they go to play, at least in the colder climates, indoor soccer in the winter 
or futsal in the winter. And then they'll go back outside in the spring. And then they have tryouts in June for their team. And then they start in August again. They have no off season except for the month of July. And they don't. And basically, if you're going to play on a premier team or an elite team or a select team, you have to play year round. You can't take time off because then, quote, you're going to fall behind everybody else. Yeah, you're right. And it's a difficult problem to, as a parent, to navigate. You want your kid to have success. You want them to have fun, but you don't want them to be, quote, left behind. The people who are promoting the programs obviously are selling a program that is important. And, and I'm involved with a youth soccer club, so I get it. I don't want to sound hypocritical. I get it. I understand the push to get those kids to participate. But as a physician, I also see a number of overuse injuries from kids who have played too much of the same sport, the same repetitive activity over and over. It's a very difficult situation to, to figure out. What, what I've learned in my experience is that if an athlete is a good enough athlete, they will succeed whether they start at 6 or at 10 in that environment or even at 14. If they are a good enough soccer player and they go from a rec level playing three months a year to a competitive level, they will be able to succeed. It's hard, though, to gain the experience and the exposures that the kids have if you're only playing three months a year. So I understand, as a parent, why you want your kid to be more involved. You don't want your kid to fall behind. You don't want your kid to have that, that concern that they won't be able to participate. Now, in my practice, I've also seen the other side, kids who play from the time they're six in competitive sports, and their, their whole thought process is, I'm going to get a college scholarship and play in college. The vast majority of those kids either burn out or just decide that's not what they want to do anymore. They change direction. And the, the investment in time isn't always going to get you to that, quote, college scholarship. On the other hand, there are some amazing benefits of being involved in team sports that you talk about on your show all the time. So I'm not discouraging team sports. Uh, there's some tremendous experiences that kids get, that families get being involved in sports, as long as we keep a balance between the sport being fun and get the benefits out of it and the sport being a job. When that becomes a job at 10 years old, it's overwhelming and the kids will give up. So I, I believe that we have to find that balance of learning the, the sport, practicing enough to get better at the sport, having good coaching so we can learn the right way to get better, and also just being kids, just playing and having a good time, having good experiences that they will remember that were fun, not were a burden to, to them. The pressures today are much greater on kids from parents to participate in an organized sports program at a young age. And it's being put on by peers and by other parents who will push other people to get their kids involved. I, I recall, now my oldest son is now 27 years of age, but the day before he started kindergarten, which is what, 20-something years ago now, I got a call from a dad, got the names of the, of the boys off the uh, door on the, on the school. They got everybody's name on the classroom. He looked up at everybody's parents and calls up all the parents, and he calls me up and says, we're starting a youth soccer team and want to see if your son wants to play. And I said, you know, thank you, but we're not interested. My son's not into soccer right now. 
Uh, he likes, you know, he likes hitting a baseball around with me. Soccer's not his interest. He says, well, sir, I don't know what you do for a living, but your son's going to fall behind everybody else if he doesn't get started now. And I said, well, obviously you don't know what I do for a living, and my son isn't going to get involved right now, and thank you very much. And he got a little bit belligerent with me, and I said goodbye. And I'm sitting there thinking, my, my son hasn't even started kindergarten yet, and, he, and I'm already being told he's going to fall behind if he doesn't start playing soccer today. Well, he ended up playing soccer through high school, started playing about a year later. And it was in a fun rec league, and it was he didn't get into an organized, really competitive league till he was about 11 or 12. And to me, that's, that's where I think we're falling behind today, is that there's this pressure to start earlier. And so when we've got the sport of football, Neil, which obviously is a violent sport, all right, and there are lots of leagues out there that, that don't have tackling, that have you know flag football, and they, they do it by weight versus age, and they try to make it safer. And I think football is, is going more in that direction in a lot of ways. But still, there's a, there are a lot of leagues out there that are tackle football leagues for young age, eight, nine-year-olds. And I've, I've read articles and I've listened to parents talk about how it toughens their boys up. And they need to get out there and knock these guys down. I don't think they have an understanding or an education about the damage that's being caused. Absolutely. And, and as, as you speak, I think of as when I grew up and played youth football, and my, the way I looked at it as a physician when I started practice was, well, these kids are so small, they're not hitting that hard, they're not generating enough force to cause injury. It's not really until high school when they're big enough and strong enough to create that force we may be, that may have been flawed thinking. We may find out that there is enough force to cause that trauma, and there is enough power generated to cause trauma even at that youngest age. And so our thinking is evolving that we need to really look at this. We need to, to understand that hitting of the head against another hard object before 14 or at any age is detrimental. And so just like the smoking or even the seatbelts, we never used to make everybody wear seatbelts. When we grew up, we laid in the back seat of the car as we drove across the country. That's, that's child abuse now. We understand that. I believe this is going to evolve where we, 10 or 20 years down the road, look back and think, what were we doing putting 8-year-olds in full padded helmets and banging heads? It's, it's an evolution, and I think the more research we do, the better. I think it's important to, as a parent, look at all of your options and try to decide what's best for your child. But there's more and more data now saying that repetitive head trauma, even if it's not a concussion, and we didn't really talk about that earlier, but this study didn't say that these were all people who had X number of concussions. These were just people who played the sport. So I think, again, we tend to write it off and say, well, Johnny never had a concussion, so he's going to be okay. Well, but how does, how does someone know he didn't have a concussion? Because exactly. a lot of concussions aren't dis- discussed. I mean, I, I, I know that for a fact from a lot of athletes I see. Yeah, and they, they don't want to admit they had a concussion because they want to play. And also a lot of them won't admit they've had a concussion because if they don't play, they may lose their spot on the team. Right. So we don't really know how to define what the trauma is. And so as parents, we tend to try to justify what we're doing and say, well, he didn't have a concussion, so he can keep playing. Well, that may be flawed thinking. It may be that he is getting micro-trauma, even though he got his, quote, bell rung, but it wasn't a concussion. Well, maybe we need to rethink that. Uh, and this is, this is difficult. It's very difficult. The football is in our culture, and it's very hard to take that away. It's so ingrained in our culture. And then when you throw on top of that the pressure by parents to have their kids in activities that build these other 
character traits which we do support. It's a tough problem, and I and I feel for parents having to make these decisions. It's not easy, um, and there's no definitive answer right now. Um, but I think the more we learn, the more we can reassess this and have this conversation. In the book that I've just co-authored this past year with former Royals Hall of Famer Jeff Montgomery and Olympic swim coach Pete Malone, we talk about the importance of the parent in the child's youth sports experience and how in the end it's up to the parents to make these decisions about what's best for their child. Unfortunately, what I'm seeing is there are a lot of parents out there, especially when it comes to a sport like football or wrestling or something that's, that's got contact, they think the physicality is going to toughen their child up. And it could be girls or boys because girls are doing both sports as well. And so there's that, that machismo of, of typically the father, but sometimes the mother, that it's going to toughen my child up to play this sport. It's going to make them you know, stronger and more hard-headed. How much does that philosophy play a role from what you see as a physician and some of the kids that you'll treat who've been injured? Yeah, that's an excellent question. The, interestingly, the people who come in with injuries are probably not the kids of those parents. So those parents are probably telling them, your arm is fine, you'll be fine, don't go see the doctor, unless it's a serious injury where they're not able to use a limb or where they're clearly, there's an, a cut. So what I would say as a parent, as a parent of children who played sports for many years and watched them on sidelines, the ones who were the suck-it-up Johnny parents don't even take them to the doctor, so they're not even getting seen. The ones that I'm seeing are the ones that are more the helicopter parent who's very worried that he's got a little muscle pull and, and he, doesn't wanna, he doesn't want to um, risk long-term injury. So in my practice, I'm probably not seeing as many of those parents because they don't bring their kids to the doctor. That's an, that's, excuse me, but that is a very interesting statement you're making there that the kids who end up being hurt, parents won't let them go because it's a sign of weakness to go admit there's something wrong. Well, that's, that's just my, I think so. That's my assessment. So I, what I see in the office is different than what I see on the field. I've had four kids, now five kids, play sports in all levels from elementary all the way through college. And so I see the parents who are telling their kids they're fine, they're fine, they're fine. They don't need anything. And those are the same ones who are saying, you need to be tougher, you need to suck it up. Now, again, I think there are some benefits to a sport in making kids more mentally strong. But that doesn't mean ignoring an injury. And so, it's again, it's a hard balance. Is my kid injured or is he just being weak of, of mind? And how do you develop that strength without risking Injury. Well, and, you, and a lot of sports can do that without, you know, making you have to bang your head against another kid. You can still become a tougher person. And you're bringing up an interesting point there about the fact that a lot of these kids who are hurt are not brought into your office because the parents see a sign of weakness. Well, expand that exponentially about having them come in and talk to me because that's even more a sign of weakness because you can't measure confidence or or attitude. But if they've got a bad attitude, they just see that as being totally weak emotionally. And you don't need to go talk to somebody. Going to talk to somebody just means you're even weaker. So it's even a bigger issue in terms of the psychological part. You know, the physical part, at some point, they'll have to bring them in. If, If they can't move their leg or they can't move their arm or there's a giant bruise on their knee, they're going to have to get some treatment. But you can't measure the psychological component. And that becomes even a deeper problem because that has a long-term effect emotionally on these kids. And I end up getting kids, unfortunately, at at younger and younger ages now, I'm getting parents bringing their kids in with stories of psychological harm that's been done to them by coaches and and teammates and oftentimes parents. 
because of this whole weak issue. So, so Neil, to, to, to wrap things up here today, this whole study that came out about CT with these, the brains of these athletes who, who have passed away, we're looking at the issue of, of football for young athletes today. So as a physician in 20 years of practice, let's get your opinion on, on, on your thoughts. And, and, of course, your thoughts and my thoughts may not have never happened, but what is your opinion about you know kids playing football today? What age do you think they should start? And what do we need to do about kids who are, gonna, who are playing at younger and younger ages because it's not going to stop? So I, I think it, was, it is reasonable at this time, the middle school age, which is basically 13, 14, that age, if they want to start tackle football at today, I would say that is probably reasonable. I, I think it's going to change. I think well, let me, let me ask you, but, but why, is that, why is that when you say 13 or 14, what's your rationale behind that? Well, there's been some data that shows the, the development of the brain handles that trauma a little bit better. There's been some research done. We haven't talked about it. There's some other research out there that says brain development by 14 may be better able to handle that, um, that type of trauma. And so at this point today, I, if parents ask me, and they do in my clinic, I would say don't head the soccer ball until age 14. And our club has instituted that policy. We're, tr- we're not encouraging heading the soccer ball. We're not t- training that. And tackle football probably shouldn't start until after that age, 13, 14, the middle school age, um, at this point. Now, that was five years ago. That wasn't my opinion. This, and it may change in the next five years. But today, if you ask me my opinion, that's where I would say is the cutoff at this time is about 14 for that based on the development of the brain and the ability to handle that type of trauma. Well, you're now, not the only person who feels that way, obviously. A lot of uh, people in the medical profession f- believe that very strongly. So assuming that that is the case, which, which it appears to be to me, how do we implement that and make that happen? Well, that's a question I probably don't have the answer. I think the best thing you can do is provide education to the parents, guidelines through sources. You, you can't restrict a, a club from having activities, but the better you educate parents, the better you, in the media, the better you advance this information to let parents know so they can make an educated decision. It will take time, but over time you will see that parents will gradually, it, there will be less leagues and more parents will start to make that choice hey, I'm going to wait, I'm going to put my kid in flag football, I'm going to put my kid in a soccer league that doesn't do heading. It's, it's going to have to be education through physicians, through organizations, societies who represent American Academy of Pediatrics, American Academy of Family Practice, or the sports societies, or the, the sports commissions making those recommendations. It, there can't be a mandate, there can't be any legal limitations, that would never happen. But education through society, through programs like what you're doing here to get people to understand what choices they're making and what the long-term consequences are. Well, the bottom line to me is this. It, it all comes down to the money. And if we can get people to understand the health issues psychologically and physically that are related to sports participation for kids in different areas, whether it's football or whatever, and understand the long-term effects this can have, that's where we, we can make the change. But the money part, the financial part, which is becoming so prominent now because, there, as I stated earlier, you have so many people making money in youth sports activities at younger and younger ages, and they're seeing younger and younger 
ages getting organized in terms of sport leagues and activities, that's becoming a problem. Dr. Neil Erickson, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Great, great comments today. I appreciate your input and good luck in the future. Thank you, doctor. That wraps it up for this digital edition of Sports Psychology Today. Remember, you can hear this interview and many others on my website, winnersunlimited.com. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Sports Psychology Today with Dr. Andrew Jacobs, Digital Edition. Find out more at winnersunlimited.com.